Like a lot of people, I use GPS navigation assistance just about every time I get on the road, especially when there's the slightest chance of congested traffic and my GPS might have some recommendations for easier alternative routes. What the heck does that have to do with social-emotional learning? Actually, it's kind of cool and not so far-fetched. Hello, and welcome to the Big Picture Social-Emotional and Life Skills Podcast. My name is Nini White, and this podcast exists so that we can all gain ever-new and expanding appreciation for the richly fascinating and deeply rewarding range of topics included in the study of social-emotional learning. You and I have internal navigation systems, or at least that's how we started out in life. But maybe by now, some of us have lost touch with our natural-born guidance systems, you know, from lack, of, from lack of use, which probably happened because we stopped trusting that our natural-born guidance systems could actually steer us in the best directions, in the smartest directions, in the directions that were most right for our own unique and individual selves. You know, one of the things that makes me most sad when I see how some adults treat young kids is when young kids' feelings or instincts or preferences or timings are completely shot down, ignored, disregarded, disrespected. It just hurts so much to see that, like in a grocery store or at a park, on the street, in a classroom. It hurts because those brief messages of invalidation can and do have varying degrees of negative impact. For some kids, being invalidated crushes their spirits piece by piece, resulting in the stunting of healthy self-confidence. For other kids, being invalidated, invalidated generates a response that more closely resembles anger, which grows and typically festers into rejection and distrust of the adults who treated them that way, maybe even spreading out randomly to other adults. I'm sure you can describe other reactions you've observed or even experienced when young children's feelings, instincts, preferences, or timings have been invalidated, disrespected. What about you? What about your childhood? Were you able to be you at least some of the time? Did you feel seen at least some of the time? Maybe not by every adult in your life, but by some, or at least by one adult in your life? What kinds of feelings do you have for that one person or the persons who let you be you when you think back to those early, early days in your life? As educators and as parents, we do well to remember, and I mean deeply remember, our youngest selves so we can recall and better relate to our young students uh, and young children's feelings, natural instincts and preferences. Why is there value in remembering? It's about way more than memories. It's the feelings that rise from those memories for us that can help us to be just, to just be around kids so they can just be themselves. Because when kids are free to just be themselves, 
living simply in tune with their own navigation systems, they're growing stronger within themselves as themselves. And if we can be one of the people who safeguard and protect that most basic of human rights to be themselves, to trust in themselves, to remain connected to their own internal navigation systems, then we can be certain that we are doing right by the kids in our care. How does this look in moment-to-moment interactions with kids? Ah, if I were to make up a recipe, the following ingredients would definitely be required. Mindful presence, a dash of patience, of course, genuine acceptance, a bit of curiosity, and occasionally a kind and forgiving sense of humor. Recently, some lovely, lovely books are emerging that can help all of us to do even better in this dimension of our time with young ones. For example, my friend Wendy Zacuto gave me Deb Curtis's book, which has wonderful, wonderful and great pictures and great examples, titled Really Seeing Children, a collection of teaching and learning stories to inspire and an and everyday practice of reflection observation, and a joyful presence with children. It's a beautiful book. I highly recommend it. And nobody paid me to say that, by the way. Of course, I'm not talking about letting kids do anything anytime, especially if what they're doing infringes on others' comfort or well-being. But when you safeguard kids' right to be themselves, to be in touch with their own internal navigation systems, even if it's a little inconvenient for us, What do you imagine the long-term effects to be? And wouldn't that be a fascinating PhD research study? But until that study is published, I'll suggest, with extreme confidence actually, that the long-term effects will be children who grow up to be people who are in touch with their conscience, people with finely tuned intuition people who are better able to connect with others because they've never disconnected from themselves, people who have the confidence to follow their instincts in order to accomplish their goals in their own way, at their own pace. In other words, comfortable in their own skin, as the saying goes, that they're on the right paths for themselves. Can you imagine a world filled with people like that? Can you imagine how well we would take care of ourselves, how well we'd take care of each other, and how well we would take care of the planet that takes such good care of us? Something to think about, eh? I know there are people who are listening to this episode who can relate, and I'd love to learn your thoughts, maybe even your personal stories, from when you were a kid or when you've interacted with kids. So if you're inclined, please send an email to ask at kidsownwisdom.com. I love hearing from listeners. Meantime, thanks for being here. I love you all near and far. Till next time.